0: I'm sorry, I have to go
1: We need money I will take that job I'll come back in one month Welcome, you must be uh, Kaya Chahia ah.
2: Nice to meet you, Miss yes, Nicholas
1: you. Pregnant? Well, you failed to mention that on the phone Where uh, is the father-to-be? Ah, yes, I don't know we do Oh, well. You're my replacement. I'm
2: so glad you called me, i you're here. many people here? It's just the driver and me. But he's so annoying me. Huh? What's wrong with you
0: today? You're acting very strange. Have you ever seen something weird in this house? <laughs>
1: Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike. Joining me as always, it's Mr. Venom. How's it going, Venom?
2: Greetings and salutation, Aussie lovers. I wonder if Don is going to do his Aussie accent for this one. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: there's only one way to find out by introducing Don and Ellie, who's also with us. So uh, how's it going, Don?
0: Yeah, what's going on? Happy to be here, and I'm not doing the accent because it's not officially recognized as an Australian film. It's technically an Indonesian Valid. film, so not Valid. a not, not a true Aussie. It- Valid, yeah.
2: Yeah, this movie tricked me. I don't like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, what movie is it that tricked everybody or tricked Venom? It's Sleep Please, on, currently streaming on Tubi. It's uh, it is it's billed as a Tubi original when you navigate to it on Tubi. So I'm not sure if they actually made it or if they just bought the rights from. Uh, I, I can't remember when the movie opened. What the uh, production company was, um, but I can't imagine it was very expensive to buy the rights to. So uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. It's billed as a drama horror, and uh, the synopsis is as follows. Kaya gets a job as a maid working in an isolated old mansion. Pregnant and a recent widow, she's desperate to reconnect with her husband, opening that doorway to the spirit world. And in doing so, I mean, come on, when you open the door to the spirit world, I think you know what's coming if it's a horror movie. But in doing so, inadvertently awakens the torments of her current employer, the previous maids. They give away too All much. Maybe they didn't need to put opposite. that last part in there. Yeah, <laughs> way too much. Yeah, I, I, it probably could have ended in, in, in Inadvertently awakens Tormented ghosts, but not like mentioned ooh, how the ghosts relate to the story. But anyways, too late <laughs> now. Um, good job, Mike, for reading that whole thing. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so we're going to start with general thoughts as usual or as normal. And I'll kick it to Venom for his thoughts on Sleeping Beauties.
2: This was a weird movie. I... Uh... As I said, the movie kind of tricked me earlier, because it is billed as an Indonesian film, and it is made by Indonesian filmmakers, admittedly, and the star is Indonesian. Uh, But it's basically, it's shot in Melbourne, Australia, it stars mostly white Australians, I mean, there's not even like Aboriginal people in here, so it's like, to me, I, I look at it as an Australian film, it's really hard for me to look at this and call it an Indonesian film, but semantics aside, I did not have a good time with this film. This film is a little bit of a frustrating watch. I mean, without giving away too much of the movie, the enti- every event in this movie is because of the weakness of our main character. Everything that happens in this movie, every decision that she makes everything every plot twist all of it is because she is a weak person why the fuck are you giving me a weak person as my aunt, uh, my protagonist in a film like i'm supposed to i'm supposed to care about this woman i'm supposed to get behind her uh, i'm supposed to you know root for her if you will and hope that she survives friends i wanted this woman dead halfway through the movie i i just could not get behind this story The first act of the movie is straight dull. It's just kind of boring introducing uh, Chaya, you know, her situation with, you know, that she's a widow and, you know, her dead husband, which we don't even get all at once. The movie gives us little bits of flashback exposition for both the antagonist and the protagonist throughout the film. So, you know, the movie just kind of goes right into it, you know, into Chaya basically you know on the verge of losing her home and needing to get a job she ends up taking a job as a maid at this out of the way mansion victorian eh, mansion might be a stretch even though that's what it said in the ad a little bit of a stretch to call it a mansion it's a very old dilapidated house but it is out in the middle of nowhere lots of land blah 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 and the family obviously has money so but like i said this just the decision making the antagonists of this film were just frustrating to me. Like I I really laughed at them. The fact that they called themselves good Christians yet did the shit that they did in this movie um, in the name of a fucking art project of all things. It just left me really, really sour. The third act of this film actually starts out pretty good. You know, you start getting more ghost action, more, you know, the the antagonists start kind of showing their true colors a little bit more. But then by the end of the third act, you're just scratching your head like, what the fuck did I just watch? That was terrible. Uh, I, I personally hated the ending of this movie. I thought the final kill was pretty cool if it wasn't all CG. It's just a CG fucking nightmare, but... In concept, it's a pretty cool death. So and and for a character that definitely deserves that sort of death. So that's pretty cool. But I just, yeah, this movie was just frustrating from beginning to end for me. By the third act, I'm yelling at Chaya. What the fuck? Close the door, dude. Um this seems to be a theme over the last year or so. Um, or maybe it's just that I'm noticing it where I'm watching horror movies where there's characters in the film that can end the horror. They know how to end the horror. They just choose not to. Smile is one of those. Uh, Ivana from last year. I mean, in Ivana, the spirit literally tells the main character, where's my head? And literally no one figures out until the last 10 minutes, oh, I think she wants her head. It's just it's so fucking frustrating. And then in this movie, literally this Chaya, this main character, through her stupid decisions, gets uh, an innocent psychic killed, uh, you know, and then some not so innocent people killed as well. So I I just I I could not get behind this movie. Um, Our main character's English is so bad I had to turn the subtitles on. It's like, why didn't she just I mean, obviously, she can't speak her native language the whole movie because she's a maid for Australian people who don't know her language, who are constantly yelling at her to speak the Queen's English, which why the fuck would Australians call it the Queen's English? I mean, they're literally descended from criminals that were kicked out of England and they still revere the Queen. That is such a weird concept to me. Anyway, overall. Not very likable characters on either side of the fence, protagonist or antagonist. Um, a decent little story. Um, I, I thought the I thought the movie was going to be going to a much grosser place, a much more psychosexual place, but thankfully it didn't. Uh, but where it went wasn't much better. In fact, it was kind of dull in comparison. And, yeah, just these antagonists are just so fucking ridiculous. I mean, when you're entitled and rich, I guess you think the world revolves around you, especially when your world is this little piece of property completely separate from the rest of the world. So I I just, yeah, I I couldn't get into this movie. Just a slow start, uh, an incoherent main character who just literally is so weak she can't do one thing that she needs to do to end all of it and it just gets worse and worse and worse for her and everyone around her and and finally she makes the right decision and what i'm supposed to care no by this point i wanted this girl dead i just yeah i'm sorry folks i just can't get behind this movie it's not a poorly made film necessarily as i said it looks fine the score is fine it works Uh, The cinematography is kind of nice since there is a lot of, you know, Australian landscape to be seen. But ultimately, the storytelling in this movie just felt completely flat for me. So, yeah, um, unfortunately, we are 0-2 for Tubi Originals on the show. So uh, I, I don't know what to say beyond that. I cannot recommend this film to anyone. Sorry. All
1: right. Let's go over to Don to see if there's a counterbalance here, or uh, if he's on the same page. So, Don, what are your thoughts on Sleeping Beauties?
0: Oh, there is a counterbalance because I had a lot of fun with this. Um, I don't really get a lot of where he's coming from with the, his issues with uh, regarding Chaya. I, I found her really enjoyable and sympathetic. Um, I, I, I love the setup here. I I don't know where he's coming from. I, I thought this was a fantastic. Uh, way of getting about it um i i I do agree that uh the continuous flashbacks and uh you know the non-linear way we go about it is a little off-putting um i I mean i think we get like three or four different flashbacks detailing her meeting up with a psychic and getting all of the the means of how she's supposed to contact her dead husband and closing the door and um you know like all of their interactions are like carried out over like three or four different flashbacks so yeah that that part is a little under you know that that part is a little messed up but yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot more going on here than he gave it credit. I, I do like a lot of the, you know, the ghost interactions that we get here. I do think that there's some genuinely chilling set pieces with the, uh, you know, the ghost mates coming back to life. I, I do, you know, the third act is completely um over the top in a, a really fun way. And I wasn't anticipating some of the, the setups that we get here, especially when we get the uh, nativity sequence. Um, that was really fun. And I really liked what it did with that. I, I have more of an issue with a lot of the first act being so predictable. And a lot of that is the fact that I I think it it, it does an injustice by the cold open that it has I I think that was something that should have been kept hidden a little bit more than it is Uh, that to me is kind of it it sets everything up into a place where I anticipated what was happening way too easily just because of the knowledge that we get with the cold open and a lot of that is where I, I found a lot of the the the, the interactions between her and the the you know the the brother and sister kind of just a little too obvious and that, that was kind of where my my main issue with it was but beyond that I, I really liked it um i i think the setup is great uh i really like you know the the whole thing about her trying to find a job and you know needing a place to work you know why you know uh, Person that's five months pregnant would take a nanny job of all places is, is kind of a little confusing, but y- you know that that's serviceable mm-hmm. enough for what it is. But you know, overall, I, I didn't hate it. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was it worked a little bit more for me, I guess. But yeah, there, there there are a few issues here. I do agree, but I had actually different issues than him. So. um it, yeah, not the best ghost movie out there, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, especially, uh, you know, an Asian film, because it's still technically considered Indonesian by all of the, uh, you know, reports and accounts I've seen. Uh, and, you know, there, there's far better stuff out there. But, yeah, I, uh, I, I still had fun with this. I would probably go with ancestral that we covered a few weeks ago on the screen box i think that one is still a decidedly better uh ghost movie than this one but this one's still not a a bad backup um I, i mean i know that there's not a lot of people that are you know clamoring for you know J horror ripoffs 30 years after the fact but yeah, this was good. Um, I, I liked it. It's not the best. It's not you know the you know it's not even the best one we've covered this year. Like I said, I, I think ancestral's better. But yeah, I had fun with it. Um, you know, it's not the best, but it worked for me. So I guess that's uh, where I end up with this one.
1: All right. So for me, you know, going into this, I was like. I, I don't have a ton of experience with 2B Originals outside of what we've done on the show, so I was kind of thinking, like, is this going to be graded on, like, the uh, 2B original scale the same way you would, like, do something with, like, uh, like an Asylum movie? Because you kind of... You there's going to be a certain budget that's lacking. The CGI is going to be horrible. Uh, I think one of the... Like, if anything, a, a, a big mistake this movie might have made was... Um, using CGI for damn near everything. Like obviously the ghosts, uh, they did it. But like even just like a, a gunshot or like a, a substance on the wall, just there's so it's like gratuitous use of it. And I'm not sure if that's just the style in which like most Tubi originals are. So that's just something to expect. Because I think there is something like for people that like frequent these movies, if if they go into all of them knowing that and they can kind of put that aside, okay, how's the movie besides that? Well, the story's pretty pedestrian. I wouldn't call it a bad story. It's just nothing you probably haven't seen before. Probably familiar with it. You know, a nanny takes a job uh, with kind of a suspect family. You know something's going to go wrong. I don't think it's, a great story, but I actually was like okay with the setup. Like, okay, where are they going to go with this? Now, to me, I'm more on Venom side. Like, I wouldn't recommend the movie. I, I didn't think it was very good. But if there's one saving grace for this movie that I will give a credit credit for, it was the absolute disturbing scene when the uh, they're doing like the actual like Sleeping Beauty play or whatever. Because at least <laughs> that. The the dead (laughs) things in the crowd kind of looked okay looking, like the makeup on them. Uh, And I don't know if it's a trigger for me because the way their faces looked in the eyes brought me right back to uh, an episode of HBO's Autopsy, if everyone remembers that uh, disturbing-ass show, uh, where they would take the forensic science guy and he would talk about weird cases. And there's this case of a guy – I guess his wife died – and he couldn't get over her death, so he, like, stuffed her, they were almost, like, into a doll, and they showed the picture of what it looked like. And I swear, like, the eyes looked just like the eyes on some of those uh, people in the crowd during his little play. So I did find, like, it's like, if you can get to that point in the movie and you haven't turned it off yet, I, I did find that enjoyable. in mean, like, the morbid kind of way a horror fan would be a fan of that. so... I'll give the movie credit for that. But the problem is right after that scene, it kind of goes back to like what the hell is going on and the way things wrap up. eh, I mean, I don't know. It's just a very pedestrian effort. It's it's low budget filmmaking, probably about what you would expect. Is it the worst thing I've seen for like this budget? No. I mean, Maniac Farmer still does exist, so uh, (laughs) it can get worse. (laughs) Um, but I, I would have a tough time recommending it. You know, it's just there's not a lot that makes this stand out uh, apart from like other low budget kind of stuff that you would find on Tubi, especially labeled as a Tubi original. But if you're OK with those types of movies, Dawn and Venom would probably be better judges of like in that realm of if this one. Is like one of the ones that you would flock to for Venom. It sounds like no. For Dawn, it kind of sounds like yes. So, I'll, so I, I wish I could be a deciding vote on that, but I just don't have enough experience with Tubi original like level of film. Um, but yeah, so the, I,
2: it, God, it, I skip I, the fact some, that it's Tubi. For, just look at it as a movie, just as a movie, because that's how I look at yeah, it. I don't, well, I don't give B movies any concession. The Asylum is the only studio that I give a little bit of concession to, but that's because I have a soft spot in my heart for them. Otherwise, every movie is on the same plane. Well,
0: I'll say yeah, this, Mike. I mean, okay, well, I'll say this, Mike. How does yeah. this rank against Titanic 666 that we watched last year?
1: <laughs> uh, I actually think I would go with Titanic 666 over this. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, hmm.
2: <laughs> So it exists, yeah, exists, I mean, a smile time, fun. Uh, like this, this movie wasn't fun to me in any way, shape, or form. Like I said, I was either frustrated or laughing. Th- those were my two emotions for this movie. I was never tense. I was never like worried about the characters. I was. It's just yeah. I'm either laughing or I'm yelling at the fucking TV. That's how I watched this movie. Sadly.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say because I, I found this one better. I, I think there, I think there's a, there's more competent filmmaking on display here. I think there's a better idea here. Yes,
2: uh, Don is right there. Yes, the movie is better made. If that's the question, yeah, then I, I, I definitely agree. Because Titanic six 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 looks like a borderline asylum, fi- asylum film. All I'm saying is that I had more fun with Titanic six six six. You know, I mean, especially with that title going into it, you kind of know what you're in for. So, You know, it, it's Cocaine Bear all over again. But the, the point is. I don't know. Maybe I just was expecting a little bit more because I was going into this, you know, as it's Asian horror. I love Asian horror. I love Asian ghost stories. Um, But this one, let me tell you, this one might be the one that pushes me over the edge because I even have in my notes that I'm sick of this bone cracking spirits thing. I'm sick of it. It, it. It's it's I thought it was one of the coolest things I'd ever seen the first few times we saw it. probably in like deep demonic possession movies where somebody was possessed would do that shit. But now it's just so abused that it's, I laughed. I literally, as soon as I see a spirit cracking bones, I just, I check out, you know, it, it it suddenly doesn't turn into a real horror effort to me. And it, and like Mike said, it just kind of turns pedestrian at that point. It's like, there's no effort to do anything original here. Uh, there's no effort to really – well, I mean, there is an effort to make something compelling, and some people may find it compelling. I, myself, did not. Sorry, Mike. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, and what's funny is, like, it. I actually thought the little nod at the beginning was, like, uh, a good – like, I guess a decent sign, because uh, the the main character, the nanny, she was wearing, like, the the overlook pattern – Oh, the sweater!
2: Hell yeah! Chaya's sweater! sweater. Hell (laughs) yeah! So I was like, okay, that's part of the movie.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I was like, okay, well, that's a good sign that these are actual horror fans, and like maybe uh, there'll be like more. uh, You know, uh, I mean, horror references don't necessarily. It still kind of perks you up. Like, okay, let's let's see uh, what these people have to offer. Uh, sadly, once that sweater exits the movie, so does most of anything good. (laughs) But yeah, I guess that's all I got for general thoughts. So I'll kick it back to you, Venom.
2: I mean, I don't want to disagree with Don, obviously. Don enjoyed the movie and I'm jealous, if anything. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I'm always jealous of people that like horror movies that I didn't. Because I go into every horror movie with the intention of wanting to like it. But... This one, like I said, it just took me out of the movie too many times. Her, you know, Chaya's decisions throughout the movie took me out of it too many times. And then once I finished the movie and I basically realized the, entire, the entirety of the movie occurs because she can't do one thing. And that just irks me. Like this movie didn't even need to happen. If she was a fucking adult and handled the gift that she was given the way that she was supposed to, none of this happens. She's able to go back to work. She's not going to lose the house, everything else. But instead, she's so fucking – and, and I, look, look, I don't know what it's like to lose a significant other. I genuinely don't. But I'd like to think that in this situation, I wouldn't be this much of an idiot because the thing – What Chaya does in this movie is incredibly selfish. It's incredibly selfish, and it's basically a big fuck you to her husband. You know, her husband who's trying to find peace in the afterlife, and she's not allowing it. Fuck this woman. I'm sorry, but I can't get behind this story, this character, all of it. I'm so incredibly glad that it worked for Don. I really am. But it just didn't work for me as much as I wanted to. And yes, like Mike said, the, the the shining sweater, the overlooked carpet. I mean, that instantly put a smile on my face, as I think it will most horror fans. But as the movie goes along, you're going to go down one path or the other. You're going to go down the path me and Mike went down, or you're going to go down the path that Don went down. So, you know, you know, here's hoping you all enjoy. Anybody who watches this movie after our review, here's hoping you enjoy it but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. And I watched the last half hour twice. Uh, Usually I'll watch the whole movie twice, but I was not about to watch the first hour of the movie again. I'm sorry. I was just so bored. And the few little horror-esque type set pieces that occur are so cliche. And I just, yeah, we've seen it all before, and we've seen it done better before. So, you know, that's really all I'm coming from here. I guess I should... Because it is a two B original, maybe I should give a little bit more concessions. You know that I shouldn't expect The Exorcist by any stretch, but you know I, I see Indonesian horror, I get excited. You know most Indonesian horror over the last five to ten years has been great. I, not to say all of it has, not by any stretch, but a lot of it has been really good. And this one, just yeah, I guess I just expected too much, and maybe my expectations got away with me, got away from me here. So that sucks. But yeah. I mean, there's not really much else we can talk about that isn't, you know, spoiler talk. Uh, You know, I've given as much time to the filmmaking as I'm willing to. (laughs) The
1: only reason I was giving caveat of a Tubi original is if you compare it to, say, like Netflix, right? Netflix, at this point, they have the budget and the resources where I don't give them any type of pass. Like, they... They have the capability of making theatrical quality movies now, do they always know do they fail and sometimes cut corners? Yes, but they have the capability of giving a director and a writer all the resources they need to make something that could be the quality of something in the theater to be uh, as of yet I, I I haven't seen that like i you guys would be a better you've seen more than me probably. They seem to write at least this thing. level of budget. I would say. I mean, it might be a little less or more, a little more, but somewhere in that range, just feels like the type of movie they. The make.
0: way that, from what I've seen, and I, I again, I'm not a, I wouldn't say I'm a great judge, but from what I've seen, I think the tier list would be Netflix, then Shutter, then Tubi, in terms of like the distribution of what their budget is Tubi seems to be a step above like the crowdfunding, like indie kind of films. Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm great at it, but if I was to guess, I think Netflix would probably be in like the ballpark of like a million plus shutter seems to be around maybe five to 700,000. And then Tubi seems to be, Maybe a hundred thousand, maybe one hundred to one fifty, maybe two hundred at the back end. I, I think if we're looking at it on that kind of a scale, I think that's probably the way it is. But I, again, I, I'm not very good with this. I, I'm just guessing based off of like the amount of stuff I've seen. But I, I think um, it's a pretty a pretty close um, guideline, if not entirely accurate.
2: Um, While you guys were talking, I just looked it up. Uh, Tubi originals are not made by Tubi. Tubi does not have a production company. They have a distribution company. So this movie is, uh, Tubi is billed as the distributor for this movie, and Ghost Kiss and Kraken Entertainment are credited as the production companies. So, So what I'm thinking is that Tubi is picking up these originals, but the thing is, is by the time hulu and amazon and netflix and shutter have bought out all you know the good indies what's left is what tubi can pick up the licenses for um and and you know no insult to tubi obviously they're 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 a newer streaming app they don't have the budget of a netflix or a hulu as don already said that's fine but um maybe maybe moving forward i'll give tubi originals a little bit more concession on their quality but yeah um, I wasn't even thinking about the fact that it was a Tubi original as I'm watching this today uh, or yesterday. I was thinking Indonesian horror. Okay, let's go. And yeah, Joko Arnoir, this is not.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Sadly.
0: <laughs> we'll say this. Last year there was a couple Tubi originals because I binged watched a lot of them for my catch up. There was a couple that were actually really really good. Um, they had oh, yes. a yeah they had a slasher on there called Requiem for a Scream that I really liked. And there was another ghost story that um, had uh, the older daughter from the two recent screen films. Um, oh, it's Tara! Yeah, she was in one yeah. called. She was in one called Bedrest that I really liked. That one would actually have... Yeah, yeah Bedrest actually had a lot of um, nominations on like my best of list. That one was really good. I really liked that one.
2: Yeah, I saw Bedrest. That was pretty good. Exactly.
0: But yeah. Um, I think those are probably, like, I would say, like, the highlights of the b originals. I mean, I, I really like, you, know, I mean, you know, come on, it's me, but, I mean, I really like Shark's, you know, Shark's Side of the Moon. Okay. Uh, I mean, Dead Zone had its moments. I really like that one. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I think Swim, the Joey Lawrence shark movie, was also an original for some reason. Something's telling me that it was, but I, I don't really remember. I, I mean, you know, they're not, you know... The the higher end stuff. I mean, yeah, it's kind of like what you were saying earlier. It's like shutter Amazon and Netflix take the best stuff, and then whatever's left is kind of you know right for their picking. Because I mean, they, you know, they allow pretty much like almost everything else on there. I mean, they they you know they have everything from like you know old school Jellos to yep. you know Wild Eye and Uncorked is basically like their distribution platform of choice. So. Yeah, that's kind of, I I mean, you know, like I said, I'm not the best judge, but that's kind of how I've seen it so far.
2: Yeah, it it definitely seems that streaming apps like Tubi and Screenbox kind of get the, you know, (laughs) the the slim pickings of what the big guys leave behind. But, you know, it's still worth seeing. I mean, art is art. Uh, It's not all going to work for us. But, you know, I I don't necessarily regret spending the time with this movie, despite what it sounds like. But yeah, I, I for whatever it's worth, I didn't have the greatest time, blah, blah, blah. Um. Yeah, I don't really have much else that we can really talk about here uh, that isn't a spoiler. I don't know about you guys, if you have anything to add before we move on. Mm,
0: I'm trying to think, I'm good. Um, yeah, uh, That's what I'm saying, I'm trying to think, but I think I'm good.
1: I I did, but the, the, the point in the movie, and it's not really a spoiler because I'm not getting into too much details here, where our main character is like tied up to a chair and she's kind of um, getting, getting the rundown, like some exposition from, uh, what's, is it Fran, Francesca? Francesca, yeah. Um, yeah, she's getting the rundown from Francesca and uh, guy is just cursing up a storm in her na- in native language. And then after all that rant, she just ends it with a "fuck you" like in English. Yeah. <laughs> and Francesca just kind of gets mad because she's like, Swe- sp- "What did she say?" Speak Queen's English, English after all that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I mean Francesca does uh, understand funny.
2: one word she said. So yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure Francesca got the gist of what she was saying since she was angry and screaming it at her in her native language. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, I then, understood a word. yeah. And then ending it
0: all on fuck you. I think that kind of is going to send a message no matter what language. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: And just in case you're confused, fuck you too. <laughs> I'll give it credit for that. But, uh all right, folks, I guess that's going to be your final spoiler warning going into our, what should be a fairly quick walkthrough. It's not really that developed a story, honestly. Um, Our movie opens with a cold open that Don kind of talked about earlier, where we see a mysterious Asian woman uh, running away from a man. We don't see the man from the shoulders up, so we don't know who it is. Um, I think we all know who it is once the movie's over, obviously. And uh, she basically gets shot in the shoulder as she's trying to run away from this man. She ends up falling to the ground. The man walks up to her, points the gun at her at, in point blank range. The girl starts yelling, I'm Amy Lee. You can't do this to me. I'm Amy Lee. So apparently, apparently the lead singer from Evanescence turned into an Asian woman and starred in this movie because why should the name Amy Lee mean anything to anybody? It's never even brought up again the rest of the movie. It's like, why did she say you can't do this to me? I'm Amy Lee. And then we never hear anything about Amy Lee again the rest of the movie. So kind of an odd choice for our cold open. Anyway, after she yells all of this to her um, her stalker, he basically just takes one shot dead center in the chest and kills her. And off we go to our opening credits. After that, we are introduced to Chaya. She is a this little petite little Indonesian woman. Living in Australia after her husband, um, as we find out through the course of the film, she is a widow. Her husband was killed by a home invader one night. Someone broke into their house and then stabbed him multiple times when he tried to stop the robbery. So she is living alone. She is very pregnant. <laughs> she is, there's no way she's five months pregnant. I'm 100% sure she lied uh, to her employers because I mean, her stomach was bigger than her. Like the entirety of her stomach weighed more than the rest of her body, so yeah, there's no way she was five months pregnant and I think she even alludes to that in the movie too, where she's when she's by herself in the room and laughs ha ha, five months pregnant, so silly, um yeah, she's at least six or seven I mean there's just no way she's five months pregnant, but again, um. Basically, what's happening is because of the loss of her husband, uh, I guess there's a loss of income as well. So she receives a final notice from the bank uh, because they haven't received any mortgage payments for however long. They, They tell her this is the absolute last extension we're giving you. You have 30 days to make up the missed payments or we will be taking the house away. And, you know. After she hangs up the phone, she gets kind of emotional, talking about, I can't lose the house, I can't lose the house. We don't 100% know why. As the viewer at this time, you think it's just, you know, it's the house that she shared with her husband, so she doesn't want to lose the house. But as we find out, there's a little bit more to it than that. Um, So like I said, to to help with her finances, she sees an ad for a maid, a live-in maid, um, kind of off the beaten path. Uh, she ends up going to the interview, which actually isn't really much of an interview. It's almost like they did the interview on the phone and she was being driven out there basically to be introduced to everyone. Uh, when she arrives, uh, she meets first she meets the matriarch of the family. I say matriarch, but it's really just a brother and sister. Uh, so she meets Alfred, who is you know the first member of the family that we meet. And he is instantly not happy that she's pregnant. He's like, well, wait a minute. How long are you going to be able to work here? Um, they ask her. After Alfred introduces himself, Francesca comes out, uh, you know, and Alfred and Francesca are brother and sister. They have lived at this house their whole lives. We'll find out more about that as we go. Um, Alfred is very obviously upset that she's pregnant. She asks uh, Chaya, how, you know, how far along are you? She says five months. And then he says, well, how long are you going to work here? And she says four months, which <laughs> I don't think uh, women who have had kids would probably laugh at that scene because y- you can't plan on working right up until the day of the birth. I mean, Jesus, come on. Anyway. Don't yeah, do that type of job. Yeah, I mean, you're on your feet. You're basically a servant, you know, helping out everybody else. Yeah, that's that's insanity. So anyway, they they relent and they go ahead and give her the job. She's then introduced to Naya. Naya is the current maid at the house, and she's going to be leaving soon. Um, Basically, she just decided a year was enough here, and I'm going to go ahead and take off and go back home, go back to school, whatever the case may be. Um, Naya kind of shows uh, Chaya the ropes uh, of the house, kind of shows her what needs to be done, blah, blah, blah. On the very first night there, uh, Chaya sees someone in a maid's outfit walking past her door and which obviously freaks her out a little bit she the next morning she asks nia if naya if she was upstairs naya denies ever being upstairs so of course you know we got the little the first little piece of our mystery here now at this point is where we find out uh, we get a little bit of a flashback scene from chaya and what we're finding out is that after she lost her husband she actually reached out to a psychic um to a psychic reader Uh, who claims, who advertises that she can help people talk to the dead, as many psychic douchebags do. And, of course, you know, uh, Chaya being a recent widow and, you know, obviously misses her husband greatly, decides to hire this woman to perform a ritual of some kind. They end up, um, it's explained to her that what we're going to do is we're going to open up the doorway between the world of the living and the world of the dead, but we're only going to open it up briefly around you so that you can say goodbye to your husband. And basically as soon as they do the ritual, boom, David is sitting right there next to her. um, And not even like in spirit form or anything like she can touch him, She can hug him, uh, everything. Um, The psychic once again before she leaves tells Chaya I only did this for you so you can say goodbye don't keep David here David needs to go to the light he needs to go to the afterlife you know it's unfair to keep a dead spirit tethered to this realm just because you can't say goodbye so this is this is already the first part of this whole thing that's kind of bugging me about Chaya that. You know, I, again, I, I understand she's, she's in a lot of pain and she misses her husband, but what the fuck you're, you're literally keeping his spirit there. And yeah, this thing, this turns into like a multi-month thing where, you know, her husband is there and she's interacting with them. They're dancing, they're cooking together, they're sleeping together, like everything. But because Chaya is so happy that her husband is back and the fact that, uh it turns out that David's spirit can't leave the house. Uh, one day, Chaya tries to go to work, but David's spirit is kind of tethered to the house. He can't get out. There's like an, an invisible force field keeping him in the house. So at that point, Chaya stops going to fucking work. <laughs> she literally just stops going to work so that she can stay home with her dead husband and live this fake life that she thinks you know she should have. Uh, and this is what causes all the financial problems. It's not necessarily that David died. It's that Chaya stopped going to work because she got so enamored with her husband's spirit back in the house. So, back to the uh, what, what do we call them? Let's call them the wetlands because it's pretty muddy out there where the where the uh, where Francesca and Albert live. So back to the wetlands. Um, once again, Chaya continues to have more visions she starts seeing the uh, different spirits of different maids throughout the house. One who's got a face that looks like it's been burned. Another one who has like, like her bottom lip looks like it melted to the point that it's like six inches long. Um, uh, Another one that's got like a a very obvious uh, gunshot wound right in the middle of her. Sound familiar? Amy Lee. So, yeah, so she's basically seeing the spirits of all these maids that live here, that were once here. Um, but obviously, without context, she doesn't know why they're bothering her, why she's seeing these visions, why they're not bothering anybody else in the house, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, she just continues on her way. And, you know, we get more flashback. Uh, we end up seeing Alfred and Francesca as children living in the house um it turns out that when they were younger when they were teenagers they had um an indonesian how or an asian I'll, i'll just say asian i don't know if she was indonesian but uh they had an asian maid and apparently alfred took uh kind of a weird interest in her um obviously as any teenage boy you know we're curious about the female body and one day while the while this maid was in the shower alfred snuck in and opened the shower door and looked at her basically just started staring at her naked at the exact moment that the maid notices that alfred is there staring at her right around the corner comes francesca and instantly Alfred looks at Francesca and says, she asked me to come in. She asked me to come in. And Francesca lifts up her rifle, points it at the maid and says, I knew you were all heathens. And just, I mean, we don't actually get to see the shot or anything, but yeah, later on though, in the film, uh, we continue with that same flashback. And what we see is actually a fairly disturbing scene. Uh, I forgot to mention that uh, Alfred and Francesca's father was a taxidermist. So they do have uh, and that's actually a pretty important key, actually, Um, because, you know, they have dead animals mounted all over the house, foxes, squirrels, goats, you know, deer, shit like that, which obviously kind of freaks out Chaya at first. But then when we actually get the story of uh, from francesca of how her father showed her how to do all of these things you know uh, uh, a plot is starting to develop you know you're starting to see where this movie is kind of going and what we end up seeing is another flashback scene where um they're in francesca's room and they've got the body of the dead uh maid in francesca's room and they're both kind of just kind of sitting there Doing something to it Then her parents walk in Both her mother and her father walk into the bedroom And she says look mom and dad I did it just like like you taught me And she pulls up a giant piece Of uh, her back flesh Like her skin And she's all proud because she got it all off in one piece She's like look I got it all off in one piece Just like you told me Um, Her parents instantly are like Oh god what the hell What is wrong with you blah 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 They start crying they leave the room um and you know that's kind of the end of the flashback so we're starting to see how alfred and francesca are a little off their rocker slightly um let's see uh (laughs) at one point i i I shouldn't laugh it's terrible but at one point uh young francesca yells out i hate that ching chong uh, which is racist as fuck but it still made me chuckle slightly, so I apologize to our Asian listeners. Um and then it, uh, we're back to modern times, and uh, it's the day that Nia is set to leave. She's set to leave. She's shown Chaya everything that she needs to know. Alfred is sk- still skeptical that she's going to be able to do the job that Nia did, because Alfred praises Nia pretty much at all times, whenever they run into each other. You know, he's always like, oh, I, I really hope that she can do as good a job as you can. I'm going to miss your cooking. Just, you know, little, little passive-aggressive comments like that in front of Chaya. And uh, we see their driver, who is literally called the driver. He doesn't get a name throughout the whole movie. And even in the credits, as I look at IMDB, he is credited as the driver. And uh, basically, we see him taking Nia away from the property. With all intents and purposes, we figure he's taking her to, um, you know, back to the city or back to her hometown, you know, whatever the case may be. But then that evening... Uh, I forget exactly what happens, but uh, I think Chaya ends up getting on the wrong side of Francesca and basically um, she inadvertently walks into a building that she was told never to go into. Basically, Alfred's workshop, quote unquote. And when she walks in there, she ends up seeing Nia still alive and tied up to a chair. Unfortunately, before she can do anything about it, uh, Alfred comes up from behind her with a taser and basically, or a stun gun. I think that's more of a stun gun than a taser. Um, But yeah, uh, a stun gun and basically knocks her out, ties her up to a chair. Now her and Nia are both tied up to the chair. You know, uh, we're not 100% sure if Nia's even alive at this point because it's kind of weird because during the Sleeping Beauty scene, didn't it look like Neil was standing up on her own two feet, but she was very mm-hmm. clearly not alive. It was it was kind of weird how they set that scene up. But, you know, whatever. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, so, yeah, this is where we finally find out that, yes, uh, Alfred and Francesca are basically hiring Asian maids over and over again. Um, basically keeping them in the house. But for what, I wonder, you know, obviously at this point, I'm thinking sexual shit. I'm thinking Francesca is turning these women into, you know, mounted animals for Alfred's sexual pleasure. So I I, I am still kind of glad it didn't go in that direction because that's even worse, but uh, where it actually went, didn't really make me any happier anyway. So at this point, um, Chaya is still tied up to a chair, but Francesca gets upset that Alfred tied her up to the chair because Alfred, uh, Francesca has been very interested in Chaya's baby the whole movie. She keeps talking about the miracle, the miracle that's been brought to my house. And basically what, what ends up happening is she ends up taking Chaya, tying her up in her own room, which she says it, she tells Chaya it's a safe space. Alfred and the driver never, ever come in here without permission. They know better. So it almost seems like Francesca is the one is like maybe the the voice of reason here. Like maybe she understands that Alfred is fucked up, but she's trying to help Chaya because she's pregnant, feels bad for her, whatever the case may be. But oh, no, my friends, because right after this, we get another uh, not like a flashback. Yeah, Well, yeah, it kind of is a flashback, I guess, to the day before where we actually see Francesca. Killing Nia by pouring acid into her mouth. So, you remember the spirit that I mentioned earlier with the bottom lip that looks like it's six inches long? That's Nia. It turns out that's Nia. They poured fucking acid in her mouth uh, to basically kill her. And why is Alfred killing these women? Well, because he needs an audience for his Sleeping Beauty performance. Yes, Alfred is so fucked up in the head that he's basically having Francesca mount these women so that they could keep them forever and put them in the audience of his little little theater that he's got um, set quick, up on Real quick, Can you stop
0: saying mount because I'm really starting to get those sexual references you were mentioning. Earlier. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so, <laughs> so, finally, we get to kind of the start okay, – we have kind of like a two way climax here, like a dual finale. So first uh, we actually see Alfred in his little theater. Nia, who apparently is dead at this point is lying flat on the stage and she is playing the part of, of sleeping beauty. And Alfred of course is playing the part of Prince charming. And, you know, he's, he's dancing on stage like a little fruitcake. Um, obviously, this guy never grew up. He's still basically a 10-year-old chubby kid who doesn't know what the fuck is going on in the world. But, yeah, he's dancing on stage. He's kind of narrating. He's narrating the story as he's dancing, which obviously makes the whole production a clusterfuck. And finally, you know, he picks up uh, Nia's body for the finale and dances with her across stage. And then he finally ends the performance by kind of whispering into Nia's head, "Oh, you love me, don't you? Well, I love you, and I'm going to take you away from all this." And we see him drag her off of off stage, and we see the sister give like a dagger look towards Alfred. Like obviously, it's never specifically implied in this movie but I'm pretty sure everyone gets the idea that Alfred and Francesca are fucking in this movie. It's pretty obvious. They they don't make it obvious, but just the way that they act, the jealousy that Francesca has whenever a new maid comes into the house and catches Alfred's eye, um, it, it just, you know, it drives her crazy. She ends up killing them. I'm, I'm assuming she's the killer because we never actually see Alfred. Uh, we see Alfred try to kill someone, but he doesn't actually do it. So what ends up happening is after... Uh, The Sleeping Beauty production. Francesca takes uh, Chaya back up to her room because at this point, Alfred thinks Chaya is dead. Uh, He thinks that Chaya is just another mounted stuffed human um, put in a chair in front of the stage. But she's playing dead. Again, at the advice of Francesca, Francesca says, well, they think you're dead. And that's a positive. So just I'm going to need you to play dead for a little while. So and Chaya does kind of relent. She goes ahead. She plays dead. Uh, They put a mask on her during the uh, you know, when she's sitting in the audience during the production of Sleeping Beauty, they put a mask on her. So it's not 100 percent obvious that she's still alive, but she can still see through the eye holes of the mask and she can see the whole thing that's going on. She sees all the bodies of the maids around her. And what they do is that they, they, they using rope, they string them all up together so that the driver pulling on a lever, or a, like a, like a rope on a Levy, um, can make all the dead maids applaud. So he's basically animating them to make them all look like they're applauding. <laughs> kind of silly because obviously no one would applaud for Alfred anyway, because he's terrible. But anyway, um, after all that, we're back in Francesca's room. Uh, Francesca ties, her, ties um, Chaya back up, lets her know, no, 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 you know, uh, no harm will come to you, I promise. Your child is too important, is basically what she keeps saying. But then eventually, after, <laughs> and this comes out of fucking nowhere, which uh, another thing that really bothered me about the movie, out of nowhere, the psychic shows up uh chaya's tied up up in francesca's room and the psychic just shows up with a handgun out of nowhere i just i have no fucking idea how she even found out she was there i mean it's not like chaya had anybody to say oh i'll be here you know unless she did that off screen and we never saw it but why would she tell her psychic where she's working i I don't know but whatever the point is the psychic shows up with a handgun she knows that uh chaya and the psychic is probably the person that Chaya has been texting throughout the movie. Throughout parts of the movie, Chaya has been texting someone. I assumed it was her niece that moved out at the very beginning of the movie, but, it, but maybe it was the psychic. So I, I guess I'll give some concessions there. I, that literally just popped into my head that she potentially could have been texting the psychic. So anyway, the psychic shows up, sees that Chaya is tied up. And basically is still telling her, why haven't you closed the door? I went to your house and I saw David was still there. Why have you not closed the door? All of this that's happening to you is because you haven't closed the damn door, you know, between the spirit world and the living world. So uh, at this point. All of the all the dead maids show up. All the spirits of the dead maids show up, and they're basically mm-hmm. surrounding both the psychic and Chaya. And then, I don't know, I mean, the movie is already at what the fuck at this point, but I don't understand what the hell is going on. She pulls out this, like, stake, like a stake that you would kill a vampire with, and she's like... Keeping the ghosts at bay almost like it's a fucking magic wand from Harry Potter. Like you could see her pointing it at the ghost, and we see this aura of light coming off of it and kind of pushing towards the spirits, keeping them at bay, which, you know, again, no explanation. Okay, she has a magic stick. I guess I have to accept it. Um, but at that moment, as they're about to be attacked by the spirits, The driver walks in and he walks in armed with his rifle, uh, a very familiar rifle that we know from the opening scene at the beginning of the movie. And he takes a shot at the psychic. He hits her in the arm and she falls down. Uh, Chaya, to her credit, uh, is quick thinking enough that she picks up the psychic's gun She shoots it at the driver, hits the driver in the shoulder, and he goes down. Then she takes one more shot at Alfred and misses, because this is a big fucking gun. This looks like a Desert Eagle-type fucking pistol, like a big-ass handgun. Or maybe it just looks gigantic on her, because she's fucking tiny as hell. But the point is, uh, she takes the second shot and misses, and then she tries to shoot again, and the gun is out of bullets. So, yeah. The psychic, in her infinite wisdom, decided to bring a gun with two fucking bullets in it <laughs> to, to come to rescue Chaya. <laughs> okay, whatever. Um, so at this point, um, the um, Alfred uh, starts hitting the uh, oh what, is, uh, what is she? he starts hitting Chaya with like a fireplace poker, starts hitting her, and at that same moment. Um, the driver who's been shot in the shoulder but is still very much alive is trying to reload the rifle. He pulls a bullet out of his pocket, he's trying to reload the rifle. The psychic gets up and stabs him in the heart with the stake. You know, very Dracula style. Stabs him right in the heart. The driver goes down. Alfred realizes that the driver has been killed. He turns around and he tries to he tries to stab the psychic with the poker um basically uh you know standing above her and he tries to bring the poker down Um, she ends up blocking it in the time that she ends up blocking the poker um chaya ends up grabbing like i forget what exactly a pair of scissors or, or something off of the desk and stabs basically jams it right into alfred's temple and leaves it in there and basically alfred has his big death scene where he has his one final line of wisdom i forget and don't care what it was that he said but yeah he says something and then he keels over and dies um unfortunately the psychic did end up getting uh dying from her injuries because uh, at that point chaya walks out of the house grabs the ancient car that this family has car that probably only goes about 12 miles an hour at its fastest and she's trying to escape the house at this point, Francesca sees the car leaving, but sees that Alfred or the driver are not the ones driving the car. She runs up to her room. We don't see this part. This happens all off screen, but you know we can assume she ran up to her room, sees the driver and her brother dead, and she loads up her crossbow and jumps on her horse and starts chasing uh, Chaya in the car. Again, this car is so fucking old and slow that she actually does catch up to her on horseback. Starts shooting bolts at the car from the crossbow. Um, hit uh, A couple of them hit the side of the car. Finally, she hits the tire, one of the back tires. The car spins out. And then Chaya and uh, Francesca have a little bit of a confrontation. Uh, finally, Ch- uh, Francesca just shoots a bolt at chaya hits her in the chest which looked like it was really close to her heart but apparently it missed her heart because in the very next scene chaya is once again tied up in francesca's room um tied up to the chair once again but this time we're going to get the the full reveal of what it is that francesca is planning and when she pulls the curtain to the side in her bedroom what we see is a fucking nativity scene but with the corpses of real people so we literally see the corpse of her mother and father as um, Mary and Joseph. Uh, and this is when we find out that she killed, that they killed her their parents, that Alfred and Francesca killed their parents. Such a, such an uneventful way to tell us that sh- they killed their parents. Like we don't get a flashback, nothing, just boom, they're dead. Here's their bodies. And then she pulls off another like she. And there's Alfred and the driver. And what she's basically doing is she's putting together an art installation of the nativity scene, but with all human bodies. So I think you kind of know where we're going from here. Uh, She says that the driver, Alfred and herself will play the parts of the three wise men. And she's like the big conundrum of this whole thing was we never knew what we were going to do about baby Jesus. But then you come to our house, you know, pregnant, you know, uh, gigantically pregnant. And now I have my baby, Jesus. And she even tells a child what she's going to do. She's like, I'm going to take the baby out of you. I'm going to put it on um, the manger and then I'm going to slit the baby's throat. And, at the, and then I am going to drink a cocktail of the baby's blood and arsenic and the installation will be done. You know that so it's it's literally just a big fucking art piece that this woman she's just a fucking psychotic artist. <laughs> and at this point, just as she's about uh, she's literally starting to take the maid's outfit off of Chaya. She's got a scalpel in her hand. But literally at that exact moment, uh, the ghosts show up. And the ghosts start kind of attacking, not attack, excuse me, Um w- how does oh right francesca she starts hearing things and then it looks like something grabs her throat you can see her throat tighten up almost like something's wrapped around it um but it's you know physically not and then we see her start getting cut and again this is done in all cg so watch it once and don't rewind it because you're going to see the limitations of cg gore Um, But it's actually a pretty gnarly death scene because she's she's getting attacked by about five or six spirits of maids that she killed. And they're literally peeling chunks off her. They're taking chunks of her arm off, chunks of her side. At one point, one of them peels her face off, just exposing, you know, the the faceless flesh underneath. So, you know, like I said, mildly cool. And then the spirits kind of turn towards her and they start going towards the baby and literally fucking literally all the maids are screaming at her close the door close the door and she still won't do it she's still after witnessing everything that she's witnessed she's still in the chair saying i i don't want to lose my husband again you know, crying like a little sissy fucking idiot and then finally, she, as, as the spirits are closing in and they're all reaching towards her stomach, towards you know her womb and the baby inside, finally she says the words that she's supposed to say, claps her hands, and the spirits all disappear at the exact same time. Obviously, David will also be gone. And yeah, if you haven't figured it out yet, the reason that Chaya was able to see all these dead maids is because she had the door open. Like the psychic explained, the door between the living and the dead will be open temporarily around you only. So that's why she's seeing spirits pretty much everywhere she goes. We finally get like a little, uh, you know, uh, a little epitaph scene where we see movers moving furniture out of the house. And we see Chaya holding her baby and, you know, she says something to the baby like, you know, you're you're so important and I'm going to make sure that, you know, you're you're protected forever. And that's our film, folks. Chaya and the baby live happily ever after, as far as we know, but they live anyway. So. There you go, folks. Sleeping Beauties 2023. Hopefully you liked it more than I did, because I actually like it less after talking about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you, you retained a lot for not uh, liking it too much, so kudos to you.
2: Yeah, I mean, I take, I take good notes, you know. So <laughs> Yes, I take handwritten notes. I'm an old man. Shut up. <laughs>
1: <sighs> All right. I don't have much to add. So uh, I just want to find out where else people can hear us because hopefully it's not in the future talking about Sleeping Beauties anymore. (laughs) 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 Uh, Venom, what else you got out there right now?
2: All right. uh, Fresh off the fucking uh, editing table, it's No More Room in Hell presents Creature Comforts, episode number 17. It has been submitted. I talked to the boss and he will be posting it. Tomorrow. So, as you listen to this episode, Creature Comforts will be available. On that episode, Derek, Don, and myself welcome our returning guest, David Garrett, and we talked about 2016's The Monster from A24. So, that was a fun episode. Uh, Let's see. um, Mike and I will be recording a new episode of the Crystal Lake Gift Shop, finally, um, later this week, uh, where we'll be looking at episode four of Friday the 13th, the series. Not sure on a guest spot yet, but either way, guest or not, we're recording this episode. It's just been way too long. Let's see, on the main show, No More Room in Hell, episode 53, has been recorded. On that episode, we actually looked at my picks, and I decided to do something a little bit different with this episode, because, you know, uh, No More Room in Hell, 53 episodes. I think we've been together, I don't know, like three or four years as No More Room in Hell. And I decided rather than do a couple of horror movies like we always do, uh, I wanted to do a couple of docudramas about horror films. So you know, kind of a little change of pace. So we looked at um, 1996's Gods and Monsters, starring Ian McKellen as James Whale, uh, also starring Brendan Fraser and Lynn Redgrave in that one. And then we also looked at uh, 2000's The Shadow of the Vampire. That one's the obvious choice with Willem Dafoe uh, John Malkovich, Carrie Elways, just, um, uh, Udo Keir, just, just a great cast altogether. Um, I, I definitely, it, Gods and Monsters was a first time watch for me. It was something that I'd always, cause I do, cause it's, it's basically a docudrama about the final days of James Whale, the man who directed, uh, the first two Frankenstein movies along with a slew of other movies, uh, along the way. But obviously he's known more for Frankenstein and of Frankenstein. Um, oscar-winning film by the way uh and uh, you know it was something that i always wanted to watch but just you know couldn't find the time but when i pick it for a podcast it forces me to watch it and that's what i was down for and i ended up enjoying the movie so check out that episode where we looked at a couple of docudramas along with all our other segments you know horror news and what we've been watching that should be available soon and let's see um I have a guest spot coming up on the Joe Blow Horror Show where I'm, going to be looking, where I'm going to be discussing the second Resident Evil movie, Resident Evil Retribution, or Apocalypse, excuse me. Resident Evil Apocalypse is the second one. That's the one with Nemesis. Uh, so that episode is supposed to record next week. It'll be out sometime in the summer as this is part of their summer series. And I believe that's it for me, guys.
1: All right, Don, anything new for you?
0: Uh, Yeah, apparently Creature Comforts uh, should be available soon based on uh, the knowledge that Venom gave earlier. Uh, still waiting on uh, the two recorded guest spots that I did. Um, still waiting on uh, the show with Stu World Order where I looked at uh the action film Red 2, and then uh the Road to Nowhere show where I did uh, three different Fulci films. Uh, both those have been recorded. I'm still waiting on uh, them to be released, so uh, that should be. They should be out uh, sooner rather than later by this point because it's going on two months now, so I don't know when they're coming out, but uh, keep your ears out for them. I do have a uh, guest spot um, actually I do have two now Um, I I got one more um, coming up Um, I should have a guest spot recording soon with DVD infatuation where um, the the gist of the show was uh, six films you haven't seen but I'm going to turn that into six films I haven't seen that will uh, showcase who I am as a horror fan Um, really looking forward to that one because I've got some good films picked um, picked for that and uh, basically, a friend of mine asked me to do this one uh, just yesterday, and uh, we're going to be recording it uh, within the next coming weeks. So this was practically a no-brainer for me to join in. Uh, I'm going to be joining crap. What's the name of it called? Um, I, I I don't remember. Um, I, there's so much crap. I I I'm on board with. I don't know anything <laughs> anymore. <laughs> Um, but, uh, basically a friend of mine asked me to do a guest spot, uh, guest spot doing a round table on shark movies. So like I need any prep work for that. <laughs> uh, so that was pretty much a, uh, no prep work required show. So, <laughs> uh, that one, as soon as I remember what it is, I'll probably bring it up next time because that'll be recorded by then. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah that one should be uh, a lot of fun because, uh, he gave me a list of stuff and I was like, yeah, I don't need to see these. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, he was like, Yeah, here's the stuff. You know, I know it's last minute, but here's the stuff. And it's like, Yeah, I'm good. (laughs) I didn't even look at it. Um, So, yeah, that should be a lot of fun. And uh, last but not least, um, last week, as I mentioned, was uh, the guest spot with Phil where we looked at uh, Alfred Hitchcock. And this week is uh, I talked with uh, some friends of mine to discuss Mark Polonia movies. So, (laughs) um, if you don't know the uh, connotations of that, um, yeah, Mark Polonia is basically the shot on video godfather uh, along with his brother. But um, I, we basically looked at the part of his career where it was just him. Um, long story, well, I'm um, explained on the show, but yeah, um, going from Alfred Hitchcock to Mark Polonia is basically about as uh, wide-ranging a birth as, um, as the show's going to go, but uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. So uh, I guess I... Uh as soon as I remember what that damn show, uh um, that damn shark movies podcast is gonna be for, I'll let you know. But um yeah, I think that's uh pretty much it for me.
2: Man, I had no idea Mark Polonia was involved in so many movies. Wow, no, I'm yeah, th- no.
0: wow. Yeah, he's basically up to about like fifty or sixty now.
2: Seventy nine, according to IMDb. or
0: Maybe that's just fifty or sixty since he's came Acting... Out
2: of- yeah it says he's acted in 57 movies directed 79 yeah
0: Yeah, because he usually yeah he's kind of like a speaking of he's kind of like a hitchcock where he'll do like a Mm -hmm. cameo or bit role and some of his stuff but i i think that's basically just been since john died because i think he kind of he started doing that on like the Basically, for for those that don't know, um, since we're bringing it up now and I guess some uh, part of the show, uh, him and Mark and his brother John were um, growing up together in the 80s and 90s and into the 2000s. And then John died around 2008, I think. And then after that, it took him a few years. And then Mark came out of retirement and he's been making films ever since. So nice. Yeah, um, basically that uh, second half of his career is the part of the show that we looked at, which was, um, I, I think he started around, uh, if you still got it up, it should be like around 2011 or 12, right? There should be like a gap from yeah. like 2008, and then it'll be like 2011, 2012.
2: Yeah, it looks like he has some writing credits in that time, but he could have written that stuff before his break. Right,
0: yeah. Yeah, but I'm saying if you go from like his directorial stuff it'll say like 2008, 2009 and then it'll be 2011, 2012 and then yeah. there's like four or five films per year from that point on, right?
2: Yep, exactly.
0: Okay, yeah, that's kind of what I figured so then that second half of the that little break there is basically the cutoff point so we're doing uh, the stuff that came after so, Gotcha Yeah, nice.
2: And yeah. that was your Mark Polonia tangent for the episode.
0: Yeah, and uh, basically, if you guys don't know, uh, this um, just between the three of us, his movies are so bad, Nudie won't put them on Plex.
2: <laughs> what? But Camp Murder is awesome.
0: Yeah, no. Um, if you've seen uh, Jurassic Park, shoot, uh, Jurassic Shark Two, he was basically the reason why he got banned on Plex.
2: Ah, oh, boo. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But, uh, yeah, that's just between the three of us, so that should tell you an idea of what this guy's like. <laughs> and yeah, coming a week after I do Hitchcock, that should tell you something.
2: Oof. Change of pace.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, that's uh, basically well, it for me.
1: Well, Don has so much stuff going on, you might as well call him Venominelli at this point. <laughs> uh, ah, that sounds far, like a weird Italian
2: dish. It. <laughs> <laughs> Venominelli!
1: Venom and Italy. Um, yeah, so as far as Venom's already pretty much mentioned everything, but the one thing I'm, I can finally say, because it has been recorded, is I was a guest on the latest episode of Slumber Party Massacre. Uh, the main reason I didn't want to say it ahead of time, because it's a show with so many hosts, that there's always like so much potential for something to get delayed because of like one or two people being out. But luckily, it's... Stayed as scheduled and uh, is in the can. We take the, we took a look at uh, franchise movies that jump the shark. Uh, the first thing that will jump out at you is jump the shark is our uh, can and was used in different ways, um, which you'll figure out by listening to the show yourself. Um, I have no idea. Lacey's uh, like editing time frame. I think she just kind of gets them out when she can get them out. So look for that. Um, and as far as we go, I still don't think we have theatrical, at least not wide. So uh,
0: yeah, I think
1: we're gonna avoid 2B for our next one, though. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Boogie Man is next week, right? Yeah, the
2: fourth. Yep. Yeah. Uh, one more week of yeah. VOD. So <laughs> we got a, we got a string of June horror theatrical releases.
1: Alright, well, uh yeah, so we'll, week's time was something, we'll figure it out. And uh thanks everybody for listening and, and until then, well, let's say bye to our listeners.
2: Later. Close the fucking door.
1: Close the fucking tubi app.
0: Ah <laughs> Ooh, that's where Mark <laughs> Maloney's movies are.
1: <laughs> Peace.